0: woman is man's completer and uh, me and my wife's been married 29 years today 29 years today so uh I guess that's sort of on my mind but I, I appreciate the lord he's so wonderful the older i get the more i realize this whole thing's about loving him that's what it's all about it's communion with him it's a fellowship with him It's getting to know him in an intimate way. That's why, as you know, I've preached this. I'm sure your pastor has. A lot of marriages get in trouble because as as you live together, knowledge about one another grows. And if that love doesn't grow, then the faults and failures will bust you up. And when God saved us by his grace, that was just a start. This is a love affair, folks. It's all about love. That's why God sent His Son into the world. That's why God made man in his own image to express his love and grace. And if you miss that, you've missed the whole ball of wax. you know the Lord's he's a he's looking forward to the day that you get there. I want to, before I read this in Acts chapter number 12, I want to read you a few verses here while you're turning there. Uh, this is what it's all about right here. Listen to what Christ said. He's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. The Lord's prayer is not our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. That's the model prayer. This is the Lord's prayer. Listen to some of these words. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone. But for them, which all also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. did you notice that he didn't say that say the world may believe that that thou hast sent them, but thou hast sent me, and you know what makes you know what makes the story of Christ believable? Isaiah 53, one who have believed our report is when by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. When you have love one for another, that's how they know. That's how they know this thing's real. That's how they know Christianity's real. That's how they know salvation's real. Now, folks, we're living in a day when folks want they want Jesus to save them and Moses to sanctify them. <laughs> that's the truth. You let that sink in. I'll tell you, the standards of Christ are a whole lot higher than Moses. Moses said, if you commit adultery, you've sinned. Christ said, if you even look at a woman that lusts after her, you've sinned. He made it stricter. Moses said, if you murder a man, you're worthy of death. Christ said, if you've got mur- a hatred in your heart against somebody, you've committed murder. Boy, that's a higher standard than Moses. And the law of Christ, but see, by this shall all men know you are my disciples, and, and and we show grace one to another and mercy. If we don't do that, we 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 won't even we won't last long. That's how we get along in this world. We show mercy and grace and love one to another because our Savior is full of love. Now here's what he said, verse twenty-two: And the glory which Thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one. There he said again. Even as we are one, I and them. Folks, I'm you something. If you want to hear the most profound verse in all of the Bible, 66 books that's absolutely impossible to comprehend, Is John seventeen twenty-three? I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and here it is, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I can't get a hold of that. Christ just said that the Father loved you as much as he does Christ. Buddy, that's a statement. If anybody else said that, I'd say you about blasphemed right there. But the Lord Jesus said that God the Father loves every every saved person in this building tonight as much as he loved Christ. Now, man, that's something. Verse 24, Father, I will that they also which thou hast given me, be with me where I am. Boy, he's looking forward to that day when you get there. And you get to see him, and it's not going to be anything like you think. He's so much greater than that. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's not just in heaven, that's now in the spirit-filled life, but that's also in heaven too. Jesus said he's prayed to the Father. He's about to go and die. He's not trying to get out of it. He's saying, Father, I'm waiting for that day when all them will be with me where I am. You know why? That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou sent me. I have declared unto them thy name. I will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. That's too deep just about for explanation. Oh, man, I'm telling you right now, Christ is... Listen, the devil has beat our brains out, and he's falsely he misrepresented God. He's lied about God to us all our life. And one of these days, he's going to take the veil away, and you're going to see how great the bridegroom is. Oh, my. I look forward to that day. If it was not... For the people we're praying for, I would say, Lord Jesus, would you come right now? Do you know why, Brother Mike, Sister Lori, you know what this is all about? What it's all about is you folks in here are like Brother Mike's children. If you're members of this church, now you may be older than him, but he looks at you that way. If you're younger, he looks at you as children. And if you're about the same age as brethren, and then if you're older as elders, but he looks at you as family. And he wants all of you to be there. That's the greatest burden of his heart tonight is that all of you are saved. Paul said that he travailed till Christ be uh, would be birthed, formed in those that he preached to. And that's the desire. And therefore, what we want to do is just obey the Lord and leave all that to God. And so that one of these days when we get to heaven, nobody be missing. It's like in, uh, in wartime. Every time that family sets down Sunday dinner, there's some, there's some seats missing. If them boys are all fighting, there's some seats that are empty. I don't want any empty seats up there. I want all y'all to be there. That's all that counts. There ain't nothing else that matters. How much money you've got, what you've attained in this world is meaningless. All that counts, children, don't you break your mom and daddy's hearts and not show up. I can't even stand the thoughts of that, Dan. Could you stand the thoughts of your child or grandchild going to hell? I can't even think that direction. That's so grieving. But I know I can go to God and tell him about it and he'll do something about it. I believe you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved in thy house. If you'll live right, he'll save your house. Acts chapter 12, verse number 1. Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex. And that word, you know what vexing means? That's like being put in a vice. He's harassing them. Vexing. Certain of the church, he killed James, a brother of John, with a sword. And because it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Thee and more the days of unleavened bread. You want know I say to those first three verses? What a typical politician. Doing what's popular, doing what's expedient, doing what's calculated instead of what's right i gonna tell you something folks always remember this there's a big difference in a statesman and a politician a politician is worried about the next election a statesman whether he wins again or not is worried about the next generation And there's a lot of difference in spiritual people and church members. Church members, all they care about is right now. But a real spiritual person, their main focus is the next generation. That's why some things are not for sale at any price. Verse 4. When he apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him before quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending that after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from off his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind thy sandals. So, and so he did. He saith unto him, Cast thy garment about, then follow me. He went out and followed him, wished not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. Praise God, that that was the first automatic door, wasn't it? You ever, you ever heard old Dr. Ray talk about the first time he ever walked up on one of those automatic opening doors? <laughs> he said, come on out. Come on. He thought somebody's opening the door. <laughs> oh, Lord. i tell you what. God's ahead of science and technology, isn't he? Praise the Lord. Now, verse 11, and when Peter was come to himself... Boy, that's a blessing when he was come to himself. He said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Of course, your surname's your last name. Where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door, of the gate a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And that word Rhoda means rose. What a beautiful name. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. She's the only one that old crowd believes this. And they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then they said, It is his angel. Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Lord, I'm so glad you put this in the Bible. I mean, Brother Mike, this is the early church. This is the most powerful church ever been on the face of the earth, and they they look like us. Here they're having prayer means don't even believe when God answers. (laughs) Flesh is flesh, folks. These aren't super saints, they're just flesh and blood like you are. But he beckoned unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James. Now, that's not the James that was a pastor of the church at Jerusalem. He's already been killed. This is James Aless. And to the brethren... He departed and went to another place. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and abode there. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him. And having made blessed of the king's chamberlain and their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's Country, well, I'm going to stop there, and I want to go back because I didn't finish reading verse 10 and read it, and we'll pray. When they were past the first and second ward, they came to the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Folks, there are some things God does one time in your life. Salvation is one of them. There's some experiences you'll have with God. They're one-time experiences. There's things God's done in the church age, one-time experience. And it's not up to me. You know, I've tried to get to the place I quit telling God what I want to do and just ask him to help me be what he wants me to be and accept that. But you know what? When you're seeking the Lord, this thing's sort of exciting. You never know what he's going to do. I mean, just out of nowhere, sometimes God's going to dump a barrel of honey in the gable end of your soul. And you're going to experience God like you never have. And you're going to say, well, I wasn't praying like I used to. And you can't uh, attribute it to anything but the grace of God. That's why when you come to, you don't know what God's going to do tonight. And when you leave here, you don't know what God has done. See, the new birth is a mystery because you can't see it. It's an invisible thing. And sometimes things God does is manifested to the visible eye, but a lot of things God does is just between you and him. I mean, I don't know how you react to this, Brother Jesse, but I know I'm all mine, and this is sort of a personal thing, how when I go pray, Christ is at the right end of the Father, how I envision myself approaching the throne of God. Everybody's different about that. All these things about the deep things of God are different for everybody. That's why serving God's the greatest thing in all the world. And if you're playing around the edge of, the, of this thing, you're cheating yourself and everybody around you. But I want to talk to you a little bit on praying Peter out of jail. Amen. Amen. When, when I read this story, I'm well aware of the fact, and I know you are too, uh, that the Lord's going back to heaven and the disciples here are seeing great results and great power. Now the devil's not going to stand by and watch this go on without bringing great opposition. And that's what he does in this story. And one of the great oppositions of the devil is discouragement. Now here in Acts chapter 12, we see the tragic news has been delivered that James has been put to death. I'm sure that the church prayed for him. Don't you know they had prior meetings that God to spare his life and the Lord didn't see fit to do it. And here they come. Old Herod sees a benefit. Benefit, a political expedient benefit of putting James to death, and now he wants more praise of men and popularity, and the arrest of uh, the Apostle Peter, and the, and uh, no doubt, uh, the fears in their heart. Uh, they believe that probably his uh, end result will be the same as uh, James, a pastor of the New Testament Church. What discouragement this must have been! Now, this is very significant. What's happening here? in this chapter is a very important point in the church. Oh, we've got this significant shift of history from the early church, Acts 1 and verse 8. Here's the outline of the book of Acts. They're to preach in Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and then in the uttermost parts of the earth. And the Lord is using all of this to get the children of God out of Jerusalem that they might go to the uttermost part of the earth. Also here in Acts 12, this is a significant time. The Apostle Peter will be mentioned one more time in Acts 15. But then that primary role of the chief apostle will fall upon the Apostle Paul. Also here about this time, we've got the center of Christianity being moved from Jerusalem to Antioch. That means that God is moving from the Jew to the Gentile with all that in Mind with all this miraculous uh, that's happening, with all these people that's been saved, with all the success that's taking place here comes the devil with all of his power to stop and shut down what the Lord is about to do now notice what the church does they didn't have a lot of faith but they did what you're supposed to do and they went to God in prayer Acts 12 verse 5 Peter therefore was kept in prison but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him now the first thing I want you to understand is because that God answers prayer, there must be human intercession. You and I must respond to the command of God. And when things get difficult, uh, we don't uh, begin to devour one another, but we focus on the one that can make a difference. Now, the important thing here in this story is not how much faith you've got, but the object of your faith. I believe a lot of times the devil defeats us and says there's no need for you to pray. You don't feel spiritual. You don't feel like you've got a lot of faith, but you've got to get your mind off how much faith you've got and the object of our faith Is what really is important It's who I believe in Not how much believe I can muster up Now Peter here is kept in prison I wonder tonight Who do you love? Who are you burdened for? Who in this church tonight Is in prison And the bondage of sin Or the enslavement of sin Or the temptation And the seduction of sin of sin and the power of sin and the habits of sin have enslaved you and you're in bondage and do not know how to get free it could be some infirmity it could be a disease that's gonna take your life and it's like a prison a living there a no quality of life and on those times we don't know what God's gonna do but we do know one thing because God and answers prayer. That's what we've got to do is go to God and ask him to intervene. Now, old Herod already has killed James the pastor of the Jerusalem church that I've already mentioned. Here it's Passover time and the only reason that Peter is breathing air in Acts 12 is that it's a Sabbath day. Every holy day was considered a Sabbath day and Herod would not put uh, Peter to death on the Sabbath day because of the tradition of the Jews. But as soon as this feast was over, he intended to take this man's life. And uh, uh, we see that was his calculation. Now what you and I need to understand in this world, people aren't really against you. They hate the Christ that's in you. Boy, you need to understand that. Herod has nothing really against you. Peter he just hates Christ that's in him so it was with these uh, people here verse 4 when he apprehended him he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrarians of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people now here's all all these guards all of these soldiers four groups of four that's 16 why would they set aside such a large number of soldiers was so they could rotate them and keep fresh men watching Simon Peter. You've got at least two in the outer ward. You've got at least two in the inner ward of that prison and then two that are chained to Simon Peter. Some blacksmith has forged chains and put on Simon Peter and also on uh, these soldiers so there would be no human possibility all of have escape. Now Peter is under the death sentence. What does that mean? That means that if one of these guards lets him go, they'll have to pay for, uh, for that crime which would be classified as a crime and they'd lose their life. Therefore, these soldiers are not asleep unless the angel put them asleep. I don't know how God did this miracle, but all I know is that he did. What I'm trying to emphasize tonight is that this is a total impossibility for Peter to ever be let out of prison except for one thing, and that's divine intervention. Now, in this prayer meeting, there's not great faith, but there's great Fervency. Notice the thrust of these words. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church under God for him. For this word uh, without ceasing has the idea of say. Now you know what that means? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, a veil of much. That means to boil, to take something to the limit. Now if you boil water, when you get to a certain temperature, if you don't pressurize it, it will evaporate. So you uh, take that water and you boil it to the limit, to the boiling point, to where it won't evaporate And that's what this prayer is all about. You can't work that up. I can't work it up. This is something that God works in your heart. And it's a holy intensity and fervency that comes from God. I was preaching last night, and I made this statement. And it's so true. And a lot of times, people may misunderstand what we're saying. But we preach That we can preach and we pray that we can pray and we believe God so we can believe God. What do we do every day? Well, we eat of that manna every day for that special time with God and we pray and we're waiting for that one time when God opens up the heavens and lets us walk in in great Power where we know what we need is going to be answered. Now, that's not every day, but you keep fellowship with God every day, waiting for that time of God's great manifestation. That's why you come to church not knowing what God's going to do, but you keep coming by faith because you know that if we keep seeking God, there's coming a day when the Lord is going to pour out the power. And do the great work. They've got a need. And it was real. They've got a desire. And it's earnest. They've got a prayer. And it's fervent. Now you mothers in here. Can probably understand this the most. Through your children. Do you know that God. Sometimes lets things happen to your family. So you can understand. How the things of God. And the work of God. And how God does things. Now. What? Where would we be tonight in understanding the Lord if it wasn't for marriage or if it wasn't for being parents or if it wasn't for having brothers and sisters? There's not a mother in this building. If you've ever had a child go into convulsions, you've ever had a child run a high fever and scare you about half to death. You didn't have a problem. Getting serious with God. Oh, if you was in an ICU unit and there was a tent over that little child And it was a gasping for breath. You had no problem uh, praying with fervency in your heart. I remember our first son, Ryan. One time he he had a few convulsions. One time we took him to the doctor. I promised God everything from Dan to Beersheba. I promised God why to give up chewing, chewing gum, whatever he had asked. If he'd just save my boy. I'll tell you. Of a situation, the circumstance is what done that in my heart why we've got to walk with God so that when that time comes of that fervent prayer that the Lord can put it upon us and it be with real I'm talking about a desperation Uh, but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him you say well preacher there's not much happening that takes some faith to keep going when nothing's happening. You say I'm not feeling God. It takes the most faith to go on when you don't feel God. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. That if we believe God and if we believe what we're praying is the will of God. Praise God. We can go to God and claim the promise of God and believe that God will come through. Now don't you imagine this. Here's a man Locked in prison between two men, chained. And he's Simon Peter. Four more soldiers are guarding the inner ward and the outer ward. The gate is uh, an iron gate with an iron bar. And it can only be opened from the outside and not the inside. So they've got every possibility of escape has been covered. Breaking Peter out of jail was an impossibility. These little Jewish Christians didn't have the money to bribe some judge or to bribe Herod. They didn't have the power to defeat the Roman government or the Roman army or these guards. They're down to one option. And the church doesn't have a plan B. We've got one option. We've never had but one option. And that's God moving on the scene. There is no plan B. We've got to have the intervention of God. What? we're facing. is an impossibility. Our ones they ain't getting out of jail. You're not getting them out. I'm not getting them out. Only one can get them out. Here's divine intervention and that's why we pray and live for God. Yes, now here we see there must be human intercession for Peter to be delivered. Secondly, of course, this is obvious. There must be heavenly intervention. All answers to prayer is a miracle. Amen. All of them are. You said, boy, I'd like to live in a day of miracles. It's a miracle you're sitting here tonight. The devil would have killed every one of us if he had got an opportunity. What is a miracle? It's a bottom of the ninth inning, and it's a full count, and the bases are loaded, and they're down by three runs, and somebody hits a grand slam, and the announcer says, it's a miracle. No, that's not a miracle. That's happened before. It doesn't happen much, but that can happen by human skill. What is a miracle? It is the divine intervention in the natural order of things so that something happens that would not have happened unless God did it. That's a miracle. It's when God breaks in on the natural things of life And that's something that could not have ever happened if God had not done it. Boy, we need to pray for God's miracles. We need to pray that God would so move and save people and touch people that folks would know that God's real of the deliverance. Verse 6, him and Herod would have brought him forth the same night. Is that not amazing? God waited till about the last minute and the last second to do this miracle I mean Peter's about to die and the night before God comes through and blesses and delivers him now this whole thing is unbelievable there's a lot of mystery about this miracle folks when you read this chapter there's not one miracle here there's piles of them and the deliverance of a lost soul from the slavery of Satan is no one miracle it's a bunch of them Oh yes, the Lord Jesus here had promised Simon Peter that he would live to be an old man. And Peter well knew that if that's to be fulfilled, either the Lord has got to get him out of prison or resurrect him when he dies. And he does know something about resurrection now. But Peter slept like a baby because he trusted the Word of God. That's why I need to pray that God will give me the assurance that He's going to hear my prayer and answer my prayer and praise God. I hold God to it and it gives me assurance when it seems like it's an impossible possibility and nothing's going to happen. We know down deep inside what God promised and he cannot lie. God's faithful servants rest in the Lord. God's faithful servants represent the Lord. Look at verse number seven now. I'm about to get to the good part and behold the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smoked Peter on the side raised him up saying, Arise, up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Number one, the light was a miracle. Hey, you know who saw that light? Nobody but Peter. Not a soldier saw that light. How's that possible? I don't know. How is it possible you can be in a church service and 50 lost people sitting there and God shine the light and only one man see it? God shine the light and only one woman see it. God shine the light and only one child sees it. I remember Brother Doug Woody talking on the radio the other day. He said I'd gone to church. He is about eight or nine years old. And he said he never paid attention. But on revival night, on Tuesday night, he found himself sitting up on the edge of that pew of listening for the first time and for the first time God spoke to him and God shined the light oh the miracle tonight if the words I'm saying can get past your ear and get down in your spirit and get down in your soul and get down in your heart and maybe for the first time God lightens up the truth and lets you see what this thing's really all about and you get delivered by the power of God and folks sat around you and they said what did they say uh, praise God uh, those of you that's been saved by the grace of God you know what that light is it's a revelation of the truth of God uh, that I'm a sinner that Christ died in my place and shed his blood that I could be saved now this light's a miracle this angel appearing is a miracle the chains falling off is a miracle the guards a type of Satan unable to do one thing about it is a miracle the, the, the Bible says this angel passes through the first and second ward and then the iron gate open before him this is Peter and the angel these guards are powerless to stop Peter's escape these guards were restrained now I do not know how the Lord done this there's probably about three possibilities that I can think of either Peter and the angel were totally invisible to these guards or else God put them to sleep or else God let them see it and paralyzed them where they couldn't move I'll tell you one thing if these men had seen Peter escape it, he would have been killed on the spot Maybe the Lord paralyzed them and restrained them. Oh, what I'm trying to tell you, when God begins to move, and that old sinner uh, will move toward God, and God's young and start believing God, the devil can blow and threat all he wants to, but God can restrain him and stop him and do the work that needs to be done for the glory of God. Now, here's a real principle in this. The angel said, Gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. That means to get dressed. He had on his inner garments, but he's to put on his outer garments. Uh, Put thy garment about thee and follow me. Now, gird up thy belt. Here he is standing, getting dressed. Here's these guards. These chains have fell off of him. He's putting on his clothes. Man, I'd like to see that scene. It'd be just like God to let them see the whole thing and can't do one thing to stop it or to hinder it. There's a lot of components in this miracle. Notice, oh, uh, uh, God could have easily, the angel could have easily had Peter transported out of that prison up to the gate where Rhoda was or even inside the place where they was a praying. But God didn't do it that way. Did you notice what the Lord did? The angel did a miracle for Peter for that that he absolutely could not do for himself. Peter could put on his clothes. The angel didn't put the clothes on for him. He didn't need a miracle there. He needed a miracle to get the chain off. He needed a miracle to get through the first and second ward. He needed a miracle to get through the iron gate. I going to tell you something. God ain't going to put a leash around your neck drag you like a dog to church. Hey, you can get here. That's your responsibility. And to sit down and listen. That's your responsibility. I'll tell you, God knows when you get here, you can't break the chains. And you can't break the power of Satan upon you. But if your heart cries out to God, God will come and assist you. And send the spirit of God to set you free from the prison of sin. Old Peter dresses himself and walks out of prison. God restrains these guards. This guardian angel delivers him. I praise God for Hebrews 1.14. Talking about the angels. They're ministering spirits. Sent forth the minister to them. Who are heirs of salvation. Now folks, this is such a supernatural thing. Boy, there's applications here, man. Verse number 8, Wist not that it was true what was done by the angel, That he thought he saw a vision. Verse 11, When Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord sent his angel and hath delivered me. And verse 12, When he considered the thing, what's Peter doing? He thought, when he got outside through that iron gate. He thought he had a vision or was in a dream. Do you remember that day that the power of God hit your soul and you found yourself in the altar for you even realized you was there and God saved you and you look back on it now and it's like you're floating down the aisle. God's grace carrying you and the power of God setting you free from the prison and the bondage of sin. am And like David said, it's about too good to be true what God does in his miraculous power and what God did here. Old Peter thought he had seen a vision. And when Peter was coming to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. Now, folks, there's another principle. When God does things, don't just just, uh, shake it off as some coincidence. Give God the glory. Peter began to think about this. He said there's no way that this happened naturally. This is the hand of God and the Lord's delivered me from Herod and the expectation of the Jews that same murderous crowd that put Christ on the cross that would have killed Peter if they got a chance but notice Peter is completely delivered he begins to take think on the steps of deliverance is that not a blessing after God delivers you and me just sit down and meditate and take the steps of deliverance It will cause gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise to swell up in your heart of the goodness of Almighty God. Now, let me illustrate this. I was preaching for a man yesterday in a revival, and Seth, my boy here, preached for me. And he told me that he had never felt the power of God like that in his life like yesterday. And I don't think he'd mind me telling it if he does It's too late now. He couldn't get over that because he never experienced nothing like that. See, see, when a man's anointed like that, you think you've known what it was till that happens to you. And I said, son, whatever you do, for you go to bed tonight, you thank God. Don't you take this for granted. Boy, you better thank God that the Lord touched you, blessed you with his presence and his power. I wonder how many times that the Lord's done something great in my life. He said, I'm waiting on you to stand up and testify. Give me the glory. There's other people need to hear it. There's other people need to be blessed. You let the devil rob you and you lost the victory. Somebody else needed to gain strength from that testimony. Thank God Simon Peter thought upon these things when about calculated how God had done such a mighty miracle in his life. Now, what the Lord did here is totally out of the ordinary and out of the normal. That's what makes it such a blessing. That's what makes it a miracle. If I could save you, it wouldn't be a miracle. If I could bless you, it wouldn't be a miracle. Verse 12, and when he considered the thing, he's overwhelmed he came to the house of Mary the mother of John whose surname was Mark where many were gathered together praying. Here's the first precedence in the New Testament for an all night prayer meeting and they're praying. 1 Peter 5 13. uh, Peter called John Mark my son because he had disciplined him. He goes to the house of John Mark's mother who's the sister of Barnabas and uh, in other words John Mark was to Peter what Tim Timothy was, had a, the Apostle Paul. Here's a rare thing in the New Testament church: two generations of Christians. John Mark and his mother, just like Timothy and his mother and his grandmother, three generations of Christians. He's called John Mark. John is a Hebrew name, and Mark is a Greek name. He must have had a Gentile daddy and a Jewish mother, but there have prayer. They're in their house. What you're doing tonight takes us back to our roots. This is how all the churches got started. In somebody's house. Lydia opened up her house for the first church in Europe. And they worship God in somebody's house. That's what you're doing tonight. What a blessing to come to this place. What an honor it is to be here tonight. This is not beneath us or below us. It's a privilege and an honor to gather together and do what we're doing. this place. Amen. Now, here's where we come in. Sometimes we have prayer meetings like they did. And it seems like nothing's going to happen. Seems like God's not going to do anything. All of a sudden, here comes Peter knocking at the door. Rhoda runs to the door. Praise God. Now, I'm going to pick on you teenagers. Boy, even back then, teenagers are sitting at the back of the church. Because he knocks on the door and the ones in the back went to answer the door. Amen. But anyhow, I don't know if that's true. I'm just making that up. But uh, as she hears him knocking at the door, she goes to the door and she recognizes Peter's voice. And uh, Peter says, it's me. She gets excited. She runs back in there. Verse 15, that crowd of praying said, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said, they, it is his angel. She, uh, you know you know what? It'd been just like this young teenage girl to say, now, folks, what y'all praying about? We're praying God to get Peter out of jail. She said, well, he's at the door while well, you've lost your mind. I read this. I don't know where I read this or where I heard this, Brother Wesley. But a preacher said one time, Peter had no problem getting out of prison, but his problem was trying to get into church. Boy, that's about right here. Oh, think about this. Boy, well, if you remember uh, how that, when God saved you and how when God saved me, boy, there, there wasn't a lot of faith in our heart. We didn't know a lot about God. We didn't know. We were not theologians when God saved us, but he looked at your heart and you yielded your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and God saved you and God looked down on that prayer meeting. He knew what they were going through and the merciful God we serve and the tender-hearted, gentle, long-suffering God that we serve gave grace and mercy to that little church to encourage them in that hour of difficulty. You say, well, what had God delivered Peter if they hadn't prayed? I don't know what he had done. All I know is what he did do. And I know when Peter got out of prison, the first thing the Holy Ghost told him to do is to go to the church. They're over praying for you, son. And they need to be encouraged. What they're doing is not a waste of time. Oh, thank God for that. For the, the urgency and the sincerity. A lot of times when I pray, I don't have a lot of faith, but God sees my heart. That's right. It might be like your child asking you for something. They might know you probably don't have the money, but you see the sincerity in their eyes and in their heart. Aren't you glad tonight God's unlimited? The only reason God doesn't give to us is that he's got more wisdom. He knows it'll do us harm. But oh, thank God when he gives answer. Verse 16, but Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. That means they couldn't believe it. Now, I want to show you something, folks. Here's a merciful man. This shows you the heart of our God. Verse 17, but he beckoned at them with a hand to hold their peace. You know what they're saying? They finally open that door. Man, they start crying. Peter, we're so sorry. Man, we're in here praying for you and don't even believe God. Boy, what kind of Christians are we? Man, we got this great responsibility to, to hold up the things of God and hear God answers our prayers and we done set this little teenage girl's crazy because you said you was at the door... And Peter said, hey, I know what you're going through, children. Don't, uh, God knows your heart. He knows the struggles you've got. Do you ever have God answer your prayer? Say, God, I feel Lord down a snake in the wagon's track. I asked you but I didn't believe it. I didn't believe you was going to do it. Oh, I wasn't even expecting you to do it. And God says, just hold your peace. I know you didn't have much faith, but you asked me. Had enough faith in me to ask me. Had enough faith in me. Had, a, had asked me to do what you needed to get done. And the mercy and the grace grace of God poured out upon us in those times. Oh, if he's looking for perfection, He would pass me by. He declared unto them how the Lord brought him out of the prison and said, man, don't you know, the more he talked, the more they got blessed. Now, Jesse, I love to aggravate you, but I love your testimony. Wesley, you boys in here, boys, you men in here, you women, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. And this isn't to slam nobody. But but you know what? Everybody in this church that says they're a bona fide Christian, if you've been going here any length of time, people need to know your testimony. They need to be able to tell it. It needs to be surreal to you that you, when you rehearse it, you tell the details. Now that don't mean that you always have the same amount of time, but Peter declared how the Lord brought him out of prison. Do you know tonight that if it would be your lot, now everybody can testify tonight if I'm going to preach, and if God don't want me preaching, everybody can testify. But sometimes, like maybe like Brother Clayton, or maybe a service, one person God wants them to give a testimony how God brought you out of prison. Boy, how that blesses people, how that helps that lost man to know that God can save him also. And he said, go, uh, God, uh, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. He departed and went into another place. Old Simon Peter said, go tell everybody what God's done. Let it be a blessing and an encouragement to everybody. Boy, when somebody gets Holy Ghost saved, it's excitement. I'm going to tell you something. They were, I heard this the other day. A man come to a revival meeting. That's that. He told this story. He said over there, it's a big Baptist church, but they still preach the truth, this church I'm talking about. And This man sat in that church on a church view for 35 years. And he's having just terrible open heart surgery. And uh, the pastor goes down there. About a day or two after the surgery, he we well, had been down there, but he couldn't talk to him. He was disoriented. And uh, he come in there, and that man was a crying. He said, Pastor, for you come today, i trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Savior. God saved me in this room today. He got sick. Side, that old man did. He called up his boy. His boy got under so much conviction. A couple days later, he got saved. That boy called his daddy up and said, God, just save me. He said, son, I'm so glad that we can shower the waters of baptism together. Had that operation on Monday. And on Friday, that man died and went to heaven. Boy, you talk about cutting her clothes. Boy, God got glory. Hey, you know what? People need to hear that. Not that they'd put off salvation, but that man thought he was saved. He thought he was going to hell, out, and he got in the hospital. Thank God for the mercy of God that showed him his laws, and he shook his boy, and his boy got saved by the grace of God. And the greatest thing I can do is stand and tell my children how God delivered me out of prison. You know what? I, I I went and talked to an old man one time. His nephew died. And I was going to have to preach his funeral. An old man's in his 80s, he's a deacon in a Baptist church. Him and this man had deer hunted for 50 years. His nephew. They're like brothers. And I went to him and asked him. I said, "Did you what, what did he tell you about his soul? He said, I don't know. I never asked him. My soul. I'm talking about weeks together a year and when they wasn't hunting they was doing something all the time never mention Christ to that man I can't understand that I wonder why that man didn't at least one time tell him how God had saved me he told me how he got under conviction at a revival when he was about 18 or 19 years old and God gloriously saved him why didn't he tell his nephew that he has lost and needed God all oh, the value why did God give you the story he did and the testimony he did so you can tell people how God delivered you out of prison and set you free. Boy, what a desperate need this is. I'm about done, but you know what Jesus said? He said, don't take a lot of faith. You say, how much faith does it take? It takes enough faith to do it. You have to have a lot of faith when you pray. No, you just got to have enough to do it. He said, well, the Lord said all things are possible to him that believeth." That's right, and here's how much faith you got to have. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast in the the depths of the sea. Now, mustard seed, you can barely see it. But the Bible says it produces a great tree. And out of that very small, seemingly uh, microscopic, almost seed comes all of that fruit and all that wood. And that's what God can do. It doesn't take a lot of faith. It's what you got your faith in. I've got enough faith tonight to know if anything gets done, God's got to do it. Do you have that much faith? I'm sure you do. It's not denied that I don't think God can. A lot of times I don't know if God will, but I've never had a problem knowing that he had the ability to do it. That's not enough faith, but thank God that's enough a lot of times to get the job done. See, while we're waiting for God to make Apostle Pauls out of us, when we're just struggling saints, we just need to stay faithful. What's the story of the importunate friend? Here he is right quick. I'll give you this. And uh, he goes to his friend at midnight, type of the sinner, goes to the church, knocks on the door. The man inside is a child of God. He's at the church and they're supposed to have the bread, and they're out of bread. But thank God the man that's type of the church that only, only has the bread for himself, don't have any for anybody else, thank God he's got a friend and knows where to go get it. And that friend's capitalized, and that friend's God. Now he goes down there. He knocks on that door. That man says, hey, leave me alone he said sir we're friends you've got to get up and give me what I need my friends come in from a long journey I've got nothing to put before him I'm embarrassed he's hungry it's my civil duty it's my ethical duty to give him something to eat he said i got to have some bread he said go away my children's in bed my wife's in bed I get up I'm going to wake up the whole crowd he said you might as well get up because I'm not going to quit knocking you get up and give me what I need and not because of friendship but because of importunity, he got what he needed. What was the church doing here in Acts 12? All they knew was to pray and just keep on asking God. Had no idea what the Lord was about to do. All I can do, tell you not ask and keep on asking. Seek and you shall find and knock and it shall be open. Keep asking, keep seeking and keep on knocking. And believe God one day is going to do it. You say, man, that's easy preaching, hard living. Well, that's exactly right. James says, you yeah, have not because you ask not. Because God answers prayer, there must be human intercession, heavenly intervention, and there will be human indignation. But when God gets to move, the devil gets to move. Now, I want to make a statement here, and I might preach this as another sermon, but I want to tell you something. If you mean much to God, you're going to mean a lot to the devil. You better mark that down. If you don't mean much to the devil that he never aggravates you, you don't mean much to God. Because Satan could care less about you. What he cares about is the impact that he thinks you might have against his kingdom. And for the glory of God. For when you get a hold of God, God gets to moving in your life. Opposition is going to come, verse 18. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers. What had become of Peter? That means no small agitation. These men are mad and they're upset. You know what? They know they're about to die. Verse 19 and when Herod sought for him found him not he examined the keepers he interrogates them commanded they should be put to death he went down to, uh, from Judea to Caesarea and their abode you say don't you feel sorry for them soldiers no they're about to kill Simon Peter Simon Peter is the main preacher in the church at that time well I don't feel sorry for that much they're about to kill God's man I'm glad God intervened It would have been good if they had got saved first but they didn't But I'm glad Peter got out of jail because a whole lot more sinners are going to get out of jail because Peter is going to preach. O Herod interrogates these soldiers, has them executed. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. The Bible talks about O Herod goes down to Caesarea, goes to the Olympics. He's got on that fine linen garment shining in the brilliancy of the sunlight. And the crowd starts crying at the Colosseum. Me and Seth were there. About two years ago stood in the very place where they began to cry. He's a God, not a man. And the Bible says the worms eat him up on the spot. I'll tell you, God got to moving. God delivered an apostle. He destroyed an apostate. And he kept the church going when all the gates of hell had come against it. And you say, well, what's this sermon all about? This sermon's all about praise God. Keep a praying. Yes, keep asking God. You say, we're tired of doing it. Well, praise God. Keep a doing it. Something's about to happen. Yes, yes. Hey, you say, well, I don't have much, yes, uh, much faith to believe that. Well, you got to have a little bit of faith. So you wouldn't keep coming. Yes, sir. In fact, you're keeping a come on and you're keeping a time out means you got a little bit of faith. Anyhow, yes, you believe God's going to do something. You know, what kind of value can you put on your son or your daughter? What if the next one saves your husband or your wife? That's what you got to get keep in mind. There not, may not be hundreds getting saved, but how precious that one is in this hour. Well, you hold on, God, and don't turn him loose till he does something. You say, well, I don't always feel like praying fervently. Well, nobody does. You can't always pray fervently, but you can pray. I pray a lot of times silently. A lot of times when I do my devotions, I don't even pray out loud. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Man, you don't have to be handcuffed when you go to God. Man, you can feel at home. You can be comfortable around Him. Amen. Pray fervently for the sick and the afflicted, the discouraged, those assailed by temptation, those on the front line of service, those fallen by the wayside, those who are lost. Pray for the advancement of the kingdom of God, the power, and the presence of God, and that God would unlock the prison door and let sinners free, and they'd give testimony to the glory of God. You know what? You know know where you get the victory? Boy, there's a victory in a man's testimony. There's a victory in being baptized. There's a victory in being identified with the church. And the devil wants to rob you of it. Boy, tonight, I wonder who's in prison. Hey, you done changed, you ain't getting out. You know it. You already tried. You have tried to clean up and you can't clean up. You, you, you might have quit doing certain things, but your heart's so far from God and you know it. You know what you need? You need God to send the Holy Ghost just to get you. Break loose the chains and give you hope and give you grace. You know what old Peter done? He put his clothes on. You know what you're going to have to do? If you want to be saved God's dealing with you, you're going to have to come to him. He ain't going to to force you to get saved. You've got to yield your will. And if you will, he will. Child of God, keep on doing it. Just stay with it. There's a lot of people in prison, and there ain't nobody going to get them out but God. We ain't got the money to get them out. We don't have the prestige or power. He does. And let's keep believing God till he does it. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.